As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Uh, We'll be looking forward to Liverpool away at the weekend and also reliving the enjoyment of Tuesday's last-minute FA Youth Cup semi-final win over Manchester City. I'm joined by Adrian Clark and Art de Roche. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. Art, you were at the Youth Cup game, weren't you? Another last-minute goal. It's just the best, isn't it? It yeah. is the best. There's no doubt about it. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. But it, it looked pretty cool. been quite a surreal week, I guess, in terms of Arsenal, like across, obviously, the men's team, women's team and the academy. So, it's the youth, yeah, yeah. It, it's just madness. It's all good. It is yeah. all good at the moment. We were possibly going to do some sort of Barbie-themed related opening question. I, I, I mean... Abby, our producer, sent me a little note saying we maybe do a Barbie thing, but you won't know about that. Like, I'm just, you know, completely not, I don't have my finger on the pulse. And she was right, actually, but I looked it up and I had, I did a Barbie theme picture of me and it came up that I was an optimist. Uh, I think just because I was smiling uh, in the picture. But we're not doing that because Adrian was shaking his head. <laughs> like, what are you idiots <laughs> talking about? And that's fair enough. So we are, we thought, as it's Liverpool Arsenal this weekend and about, players who played for both clubs so we thought I thought I'd ask who, who's uh, your favourite player to play for both clubs oh, who are you having generationally the selection wasn't that great for me no. um, and I guess the one that stuck out was uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain I know he didn't leave in the best circumstances uh, to go to Liverpool but I always really liked him as um, a player at Arsenal obviously came in really young and what really sticks out to me is I always thought he was a central midfielder. I remember him playing against Palace and scoring twice there at the Emirates in, I think, 2014. And then he played in centre mid against Bayern as well and did quite well. And I always wanted to see that happen at Arsenal. But unfortunately, he was just kind of stuck at wing back and obviously went and played centre mid for Liverpool. So it was a little bit bittersweet. But yeah, he's the one. Also because of his personality as well, I thought he was hilarious. He's the one uh, I'm picking. 
Yeah, he seemed like a good guy, uh, the Ox, and he had a few injuries, And uh, um, but a lovely footballer when he's on form. Really glided, glid, is it? I'm not sure. Glid around <laughs> I think glided. glided. It's got to be glided. Yeah, it's, glided sounds wrong as well. Anyway, yeah. he, he moved in a gliding fashion around the pitch. <laughs> I, I thought it was a, it was a lovely footballer to watch. Adrian, what have you got? Well, my favourite is is he's not the best player to have played for for both, I don't think. But he's just a really funny guy. It's Jimmy Carter. Um, he he was very very good at Millwall. Then he got a dream move to Liverpool. It didn't really work out. I think he only played eight games for Liverpool, and then he and then he came to Arsenal. And and yeah, we we had some good times actually. We were kind of rivals, both wingers predominantly plying our trade for the for the reserves but yeah I can't tell any Jimmy Carter stories because they're all too rude and and, and too disgraceful <laughs> but um, he is one of the game's great characters and what I love about Jimmy is that he hasn't got that ego um, and th- that's really typified by the fact that now if you are eagle-eyed you might see him floor managing Nigel Mitchell on a match day because that's what he does now on on the weekend. He works as a floor manager and sometimes he is behind the camera just directing everything um, with Nigel Mitchell. So, um, yeah, keep keep your eyes out for, for Jimmy Carter. He doesn't do every single game, but he is there from time to time just working in a production capacity. He's, he's a good lad. He's a great lad. Right, and if we ever do any sort of X-rated handbrake off, we can have some of those rude and disgraceful stories. <laughs> the drunk handbrake off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, drunk handbrake off. Listen, uh, if uh, things work out the way we hope they work out, we will be doing more than one drunk handbrake off. Now, um, uh, in terms of players who play for Liverpool and Arsenal, I'm going for Ray Kennedy as well. Second forward, basically, with us in the double team in 1971, played uh, next to John Radford. Lovely player. But then he went to Liverpool and he converted to a midfielder and we went, oh my goodness, what a silky player. Really one of the loveliest footballers you'll ever see. Just to have a way, had a way of moving and a way of passing and uh, uh, just a lovely, lovely player. Did he, he died recently, didn't he? Ray Kennedy, I believe. But yeah, just a beautiful footballer and one of the first players that I really uh, admired uh, greatly. And uh, and let's say went to Liverpool and uh, won won pretty much everything with them as well, didn't he? I remember one goal. Him, st- I remember him more to be honest, playing for Liverpool, strolling through the midfield. We should give honourable mentions to Michael Thomas, who gave us um, those of us of a certain <laughs> age are, are probably our greatest ever moment um, with with that oh, winning goal at Anfield, and, and obviously Colo Toure, one of our invincibles, also applied his trade for Liverpool, and you know, very very popular character in M five. Anyway, that's enough of uh, of all this sort of comradeliness because we're playing them on Sunday, aren't we? Liverpool away Sunday afternoon, big game. And we're 29 points clear of them, right? Normally, a team chasing the title, going to a team in eighth place or whatever they are now, ninth, coming off coming off of the back of uh, getting beaten at the weekend, getting thrashed at the weekend by Man City, and then a pretty dull goalless draw with uh, managerless and mediocre Chelsea. We shouldn't have any problem, but this is Liverpool at Anfield. <laughs> the last... Uh, match that took place at Anfield saw Liverpool beat Man United 7-0. So they're not terrible, (laughs) is my point. Um, Adrian, they're a different beast at home, aren't they? I mean, they've only lost once all season. Yeah, it was against Leeds United quite a long time ago. They've won nine of 13. 
at Anfield this yeah. season. They've only conceded nine goals this season on home turf. So they're completely different. Obviously, they've been a bit of a soft touch away from home. But yeah, you have to respect that kind of record. You respect their ability, particularly in forward areas. But you don't fear them. And I think that that's the message here. We've got to approach with caution to a certain degree because they've got players that can absolutely take the game away from you. But at the same time, they have vulnerabilities that we are absolutely capable of exploiting. So it's about getting that balance right, I think. And, and that's what Mikel Arteta will, will need to do on the day with, with his players, it is getting the balance between attack and defence right. Because when we get in and around their final third, we can absolutely rip them to shreds and score goals. But I think we, we all know they can do that to us. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'd take our midfield over their midfield any time. Really, I mean, this really, surely, is where the game can be won and lost. Definitely, I was watching the uh, Liverpool City game, and I was just seeing or observing how frantic that midfield became when, say, Jordan Henderson was put under pressure. And I think if you compare how Arsenal's midfield cope with pressure, I think they are very at ease and also very silky. So. Put in that battle, looking forward to it, I I do see that as an area where if Arsenal are able to put their foot on the ball and, and actually take control, I think that's where it will swing the game into Arsenal's favour. And as Adrian said, I think, yes, respect them, but that City game in particular took a lot of the panic away, I feel, and... You look at how throughout the season, I feel the onus has been on Arsenal to play. And if Arsenal do play at Anfield, I I will be looking forward to how that pans out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that's the thing, isn't it, really, Adrian? This is, this is on us, this game. I mean, obviously, they're a good team, but they're not a terrible team at home. They're not a terrible team, full yeah. stop. You know, this is Liverpool at Anfield. We cannot take a game like this lightly. But... And I was reading the last time we won a game at Anfield is uh, 2012. Long overdue, in it, really? Cool, yeah, not half. I mean, Klopp's Liverpool have got an incredible record against us uh, on Merseyside. But no, I, I, look, we, we, we've had bad records at Spurs. We had a terrible record at their new stadium and we went there and we owned the game. We completely dominated. And again, the midfield, it was it was men against boys in that in that game probably think about the Chelsea game at Stamford Bridge earlier on this season as well. Completely controlled that, made it our type of game. Another stadium where we haven't had a lot of joy in recent times. So these things don't last forever. And, and Art is bang on. That I think our attack can obliterate their defence. They genuinely do. I also think that their attack can hurt us. But but where where we have the advantage is, is undoubtedly in midfield. I, th- I think that... Yeah, we've got the ability to play through them and to control things. But it's easy to say that and, and, and harder to, to do sometimes in a hostile environment. But I look forward to the possibility slash likelihood of, of us controlling that engine room and, and taking the game away from Liverpool. Yeah, we, we're certainly good enough to. It's It maybe comes down to, to the mentality of, of the players. Can they? Do they believe? that they're good enough to do it at Liverpool on Sunday afternoon. Yes. Surely they do. But 
I think if you think back to that game in 2012, there's one player who always pops up on Twitter mostly with a comp of the game, and it's Abu Dhabi. Mm. And I think, if anything, just that midfield performance alongside Arteta and Santi Cazorla, I think that is almost like a... And yes, uh, I think that's almost like a blueprint of what you would want to see um, this time around because that midfield technically was ridiculous. And I remember the comp was like resurfaced only a couple of weeks ago. And there were some kind of phases of play that were very similar, like Diaby and Cazorla just, again, passing between themselves, taking the sting out of the game, yeah. um, which I think at Anfield is going to be probably more important that than at most yeah, grounds. I remember that, that was but, the first year I started to do the breakdown for Arsenal and... Uh, it was one of the first games, I think. So, um, yeah, I, I do remember it. And I remember, I think, giving Diaby the main man and thinking, this, this is going to happen a lot. And of course it didn't um, because, you know, injuries got in the way for him. But yeah, that was, I think Cazorla was, was a bit special as well that day. So, yeah, more, more of the same. It would be very, very nice. More of the same. Very nice. By the way, that team, Vito Manoni, for those of you... With- Good memories in goal. Uh, Jenkinson, Mertesacker, Vermaelen and Gibbs. Mikel Arteta, Abu Dhabi, the Ox and Santi Gazzola and Olivier Giroud and Lucas Podolski uh, up front. Sort of feel like that team gets better as it goes further forward, uh, really. I mean, the midfield and the attack's all right. But, <laughs> but anyway, we've got a result. And uh, the other thing to say, Leandro Trossard uh, already scored a hat-trick at Anfield uh, this season. That would be nice as well, although I'm not sure he's going to start. One would imagine our, he, uh, Mikel Arteta will start with Saka and Martinelli and Jesus. I, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> and it's good it's that quite, isn't it it's good yeah. that you are not sure yeah it, and it's similar to last week where okay we couldn't predict that Saka was going to be ill but I think what we saw mostly in the second half was how nice it is when Jesus and Trossard combine obviously more so when Trossard comes inside rather than being out wide but I think for me it just comes down to how how does Arteta want to play the game? Does he want to start quick and almost just give Liverpool this onslaught straight away? If yeah. he does, then I guess Martinelli is the guy to go for. But I feel like Trossard being able or being comfortable on the ball in so many areas could just give that Liverpool defence a lot more to think about, especially when you add Jesus into that mix. So... I may be tempted to go with a Trossard, Jesus, Saka front three, but that's not to put down Martinelli on it in any way, shape or form. I I just think that plan may be one that's beneficial yeah, for us. I, I, I see the logic of it, but I also think of Martinelli against Liverpool, and you know yes. he's a player. He's a player that has <laughs> has given Trent Alexander-Arnold all sorts of problems, and Jurgen Klopp loves Martinelli. You can just tell that. Whether whether he trusts Trent to play this game, I don't know. I don't think I'd trust Gomez to be his deputy either, if I'm honest. I think they've got issues at at right back. And as brilliant as Trossard has been, I think someone as dynamic as Martinelli up against either of those two is is too much of a duel to ignore. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I think that I think I think yeah. that they're both vulnerable against the type of player that Martinelli is. 
I would actually go as far as to say that's the duel outside of central midfield that I would fancy us in the most. So well, <laughs> this, well, this is why Mikel gets paid the big bucks. He's, he's, <laughs> why he's paid the big bucks to make these decisions. At the other end of the pitch, uh, William Saliba looks likely, I'm hearing, to miss the match. Rob Holding has done well in his last couple of games. Mm. Adrian, I mean, in the end, he's what we've got. So if if Big Willie's not playing, then... Uh, Rob Holding's coming yeah, in. Yeah, and he, he's been good in big games before. The, my issue with Rob... And I, won the cup yeah, final. Yeah, won exactly. the cup final against Chelsea. My issue with, with Rob, or the, the, the fear I have when he when he plays against teams like Liverpool, is, is obviously speed and, and that speed in behind. And what makes this Arsenal team really, really strong is our pressing and it is the way we play inside the opposition half and win it back. And, and the one gamble is that we leave ourselves exposed on the counter. And we've seen that in home games this season. We've conceded so many goals from counter-attacks at home where, where we're expected to be on the front foot. Um, yeah, so playing Rob makes me think we would adopt a slightly more controlled game where we would sit a little bit deeper and maybe look to pick them off in midfield rather than go and squeeze too high. You, you need to, you really need to get the balance right, I think, if, if he plays as part of that back four compared to William Saliba, who, whose pace gets us out of jail a little bit. So, yeah, I'm nervous. I, I think if, all, part, all part of the thinking, though, isn't it? That's yeah, the point, I really. think I think if, look, if he's not fit, Saliba is not fit and, and Rob can do the job. But if there is a chance to get him out there on the pitch with a painkiller, then then this might be the game to do it um, in regards to William Saliba, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, also, um, there's a whole thing about lack of clean sheets. We talked about that on Monday. Actually, away from home, Aaron, Rams- Aaron Ramsdale's kept nine clean sheets away from home in the Premier League uh, this season. Only two keepers have recorded 10-plus shutouts on the road in a single campaign, Petr Cech and Edison. I mean, he, away from home, are oh, we're pretty good at keeping uh, keeping clean sheets. And, and uh, Rambo would be desperate for another one, wouldn't he? Yeah, it seems like in those games when Arsenal are put under pressure and they have to defend a bit deeper, they're all willing and they all know their role as well. And the one guy who's really stepped up in those games, I think, is Gabriel. I agree. If you think about uh, Fulham, Leeds, Fulham, yeah. Aston Villa as yeah. well, a lot of big moments late on in those games where he's just held his nerve, I think, and made the right decision. So, yeah, I think going into um, Liverpool, he could be a a big force again. And it is really encouraging just how, I guess, relentless Arsenal have been away from home because it's not too long ago that people were praising the home form to the rooftops, but the away form was just... I don't even know what the right word to describe Shit. it is. <laughs> I think it's the word I, you're looking yeah, for. I, I want it to be a bit more uh, pleasant. But um, it yes. Was, um, so yeah, it is really um, encouraging to see how that's turned around so quickly yeah. as yeah. well. And it's almost, again, we I know we've mentioned the away fans before, Ian, but um, how it almost feels like there's this real connection between away fans and that collective defence on the pitch as well. 
in those games, which is hard to really put into words other than a feeling. <laughs> but I think that can be really valuable as well at Anfield. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and, and look, the way we have played away from home would suit Rob Holding in in a lot of ways because we it, it we have played slightly deeper, we've built from the back and played through the thirds with with massive confidence. And and we yeah we've been able to absorb pressure and I think he's an absorber he Rob is. Holding I think when you when when you put under pressure that's when he's at his very very he'll get best. his head in it won't he he will he will, he will. Yeah. but it is it is inevitable I'm afraid when you play against Liverpool home or away that they will break on you and and those are the moments that 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 obviously concern me and and every other Arsenal fan out there right. um, it's how we control those that that might decide the the outcome of the game. Uh, there was a, uh, uh, Ian Doyle, who is the chief Liverpool FC reporter for the Liverpool Echo, um, did a little... Uh, he can't be after what he wrote. This, yeah. is, this can't be true. <laughs> he can't actually be a proper journalist. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen uh, this thing that he wrote, who will win the title, right? He wrote about Arsenal. Eight points clear going into the final two months of the season. It will require arguably one of the worst capitulations in Premier League history for Arsenal to w- not win the title. The fact is, I mean, you can feel the bitterness coming off him. The fact is, so much has gone for the Gunners this season. Lack of injuries, trouble at their rivals, general officiating decisions, teams not taking them seriously, minimal pressure and expectation from the national media that their ability to take advantage of situations has been forged for a few years under Mikel Arteta is now bearing fruit. In any normal season, they'd be forced, but this isn't a normal season, and a failure to finish the job now would damage the reputation of all involved considerably. Arsenal can't blow it now. That is what he said. Now, <laughs> is there one good line in there? Is there one valid point? No, I don't no, think there is. No, there I think is, he's wrong on, on, on almost everything, everything. On everything. Yeah. But the point is, I saw that, and people were reacting to it. People were reacting to it. Now, first of all, it's clickbait, right? There is no doubt it's clickbait. And people were going, how can he say this? How can he say that? And I was thinking about it, and I was talking to a mate of mine, and I was thinking, what would Bukayo Saka say if he, if he read that, right? Now, obviously, he's not going to waste his time reading that. Why would he? But if he did, oh, he would have absolute disdain, would he not, for everything <laughs> that was written in that piece, because it's all wrong. And I thought... Well, if that's how he would be, and I'm assuming this, maybe he'd be raging, but I don't think he would. But uh, uh, I'm assuming that he would be very calm. So I thought I'd try and basically be more like Saka, basically, yeah. about about this whole thing. And that is, I've decided that is how I'm going to try and live my life from now on. I'm going to be more like uh, like Bukayo Saka, especially when it comes to, to nonsense like that. And it is nonsense. I don't even want to pick my way through e- each individual error in the piece. <laughs> But Arsenal fans have to be calm, right? Aren't because the players are. So why don't why don't we just maintain that serenity? Yeah, I, I feel like that goes for stuff like that, but also just those lulls in the week as well, where exactly. I think sometimes, especially on social media and Twitter, people can be so quick to just jump on a feeling, but it's. Again, I think we've mentioned this word before as well, but detachment, just kind of taking yourself out of the emotional whirlpool that Twitter or social media can be at times can be quite helpful and just, in a sense, not caring. And I think once you get to that stage, you kind of enjoy the the games more as well because you're not going into them with, 
all these preconceived kind of thoughts and doubts as well. So yeah, if I know it's easier to say than actually do, but if you can almost stop caring about stuff that <laughs> doesn't really matter, then I think that could be helpful. I know um, for me, yeah, I just try and not think about too many things. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of helps me. Um, yeah, hopefully that's valuable advice. <laughs> well, I hope everybody on Merseyside thinks like that. I think that, that I hope that the, the, I hope Jurgen Klopp thinks like that. I hope their team thinks like that. Because if they do think like that, then they might be in for a rude awakening. But they won't. That's just one. You know, it's just a, like you said, clickbait. Not worth getting wound up about at not, all. In fact, no. it's it's one of the funniest articles uh, or, or series of <laughs> of lines that I've <laughs> that I've read in a, a long, long time. Yeah, I think because um, because you know I've seen a lot of bad takes down the years, but that is right up there. Yes. Absolutely right. All right, so let's give him no more attention. Uh, be like Saka. I'm saying to you, this is the way to go from now on. Uh, one more thing, by the way. This weekend does have the potential to be St. Totteringham's Day. Um, we know it's going to happen this season. We just don't know uh, when. But there, continued Spursiness is really just a joy, an absolute joy. Hopefully, Harry Kane, once he's had his facial reconstruction surgery after the Decore, uh, whatever happened to him there, uh, he can come back and live some sort of normal life. Anyway, this is Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. We better beat uh, with the handbrake at time. We took a ball into the box! They've done it! Lewis Skelly and just look at what it means to those Arsenal players Ian Stone Adrian Clark Art de Roche here on the Athletics Arsenal podcast handbrake off FA Youth Cup semi-final in midweek Arsenal 2 Man City 1 last minute goal we've all seen the videos well I was going to say we're going to Wembley but it's not Wembley it's the Emirates we're going to the Emirates because that's where the final is that's where the final should be 
to be honest. Who are we playing in the final art, by the way? I didn't. It's gonna so it's it's not decided yet. The second semi-finals tonight uh, is West Ham against Southampton. So okay. no one no. of those two and Jack Wilshere will be at <laughs> that game watching to see how he can beat whoever gets to the final. And he's enjoying his coaching at the moment, isn't he? I mean, it, I mean, I read the piece uh, about Jack and about how he he didn't really want it, and now. He does. Is there something about letting his playing career go at this point and going, you know what, I'm a coach now. If I'm going to be a coach, I'm going to do it properly. Yeah, I think uh, there definitely probably is something in that. He he said that he first did his badges when he was a player at Arsenal when Per Mertesacker first got offered the academy manager role and needed to actually do his badges. So they did them together and he just kind of did it because it's the thing you do at the end of your career. Yeah. And then coming back to Arsenal last year, he said that's when he finally got the want to coach. And I think you can hear it in the way he talks. Hopefully it comes across on the page um, as well. But when you actually can hear his voice and see his mannerisms when he is talking about coaching, you can see it's something he actually cares about. And... I think hopefully that comes through in the ways team plays football as well. But it's definitely been a really interesting um, watch in terms of seeing how he and his team have developed over the past year. And Adrian, I mean, uh, um, did you watch the game or have you just seen the highlights? No, I've been away. So I've only seen the highlights. I didn't get to see the game in in its entirety. Um, but but yeah, I mean the the highlights were were excellent. Obviously, yeah, we'll get we'll get to the bits the, the nitty gritty of the game. But on on Jack, he is he has a great role model in Mikel Arteta, doesn't he? Somebody that's effectively learning on the job, and that's what what Jack has done this season because he's he's come out of playing first coaching role and it's an important coaching role in charge of the under 18s at Arsenal and yeah it just feels like he's getting a real taste for it and um and the team are certainly playing some some lovely football aren't they that's uh, he's got plenty to work with yes. that has to be said there's a lot of talent there <laughs> yeah but but he seems to have organized them very very well and they and they're playing with that same freedom that we see going forward from from Arteta's team so yeah great stuff and Adrian in in terms of that pathway going through when when the youth team players see players like Saka players like Smithrow getting that pathway through to the first team mm. I mean Jack Wilshire talks about it a little bit said he's made his job harder in a sense because they have to play at an even better level to even get a sniff of getting in near the first team but it must the players must also look up and think oh yeah there's a possibility here Exactly, exactly. There's a long, proud history of, of Arsenal giving younger players a chance. That's that's clear for all to see. The best will get through. Unlike at some clubs like Chelsea, where in the past, or even City, it's been so unusual for a, an academy graduate to make it in their first team. It must be quite disheartening, but that's never really been the case at Arsenal. They've got young role models that are only a few years older than them as well. And, and they've also got opportunities on a frequent basis to train with the team and yeah. to be part of, to be part of the team. And that's really important. And I remember it myself from, from, from my youth team days, when you got invited over to train with the first team, that, that big, big moments, big mornings, mornings you never expected, but you've got to kind of shine 
when those opportunities come your way and yeah I just used to love it and and even if it was me that went it would probably be a couple of my mates back in the youth team that they would feel encouraged to think well if he can get over there I can as well and I think it would be the same with Jack's squad yeah it would just keep pushing them so yeah love that and and uh, Art Miles Lewis Skelly, it's a name that we're going to get uh, a bit more familiar with. Scored the winning goal uh, and just engulfed <laughs> by his teammates. I mean, tell us a bit about him. He's sixteen years old, right? Yeah, so very young. I think uh, we all need to remember that as well because I know, especially with Arsenal and say when Bukayo Saka, Emil Smith Rowe first got into the team it's easy to forget how young these guys actually are. Yeah. But in terms of Lewis Skelly, midfielder, very nice with the ball, great technical ability. And I think what makes him, I guess, unique is how he moves with the ball. Very quick burst he has on him um, to get away from players. And he can also take it under pressure as well. What's been interesting this year is when he's played up for the 21s they've actually used him at left back um, and it's just been yeah an interesting part of his development to see that way that he's been used Um, but primarily he's a midfielder and yeah it was a very decisive moment I think um, to make that run for Bradley Ibrahim to play the ball to him as well and also to have the bravery to go off and win the header as well so hopefully it's one of those moments those watershed moments for something that is totally unforeseeable in the future in a positive way I mean this versatility um, I mean you're saying he's playing at left back sometimes and then obviously he's a he's a central midfielder well right-sided I think wasn't he well um, so yeah again this is another thing played on the right side of mid uh, midfield three but usually plays as a six and he's left footed for people yeah. who don't know. Yeah. I mean, agent, this is the way it's going, right? When we see Zinchenko in the first team and how he can play, I mean, I think he'd be comfortable in pretty much every position on the pitch. And you know that Saka can play almost everywhere. It, this is the way it's going now, isn't it? With the development of footballers. It is. Yeah, it's, it is brilliant. I've got to say, I kind of wish I was, could rewind the clock and, and start again. Because the the development you get as a young player in the academy is is extraordinary compared to what it was before, where you, know, you train one one evening a week, probably a couple of hours, and that and that's your lot. It's so much more all encompassing now. You know, they get so much more training and coaching, and and they really do wait and they develop all around footballers, and it's just a little bit further down the road when they get towards a scholarship where they really decide what positions they need to focus on. And and that means that you've got rounded footballers in, in all roles, really. So, yeah, it's it, it's great. It's great for them because it gives them more options in the future to, to be able to adapt. And, and football's changed so much. It's so much more technical. When I played in the youth team, it was so quick. I'm not t- I'm not exaggerating. The the Southeast Counties League, which was the the youth under eighteen league. Oh my goodness, <laughs> it was rough and in- incredibly fast paced. And and these days, everything is 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 more base is more skills based and te- technique based. And it helps talent. You know, talented kids like Lewis Skelly and and others 
to really thrive when when they shouldn't. A 16-year-old being the best player or one of the best players for the under-18s never used to happen because it was physically, you wouldn't be able to really do that. Now you can. And um, and look, how amazing is it that we've got Wanieri and Miles Kelly? They're still at school, aren't they? I mean, they're still of, of year 11 age. They're not even <laughs> full-time, full-timers. It is, wow. it is unreal that these two are the stars of this FA Youth Cup finalist Arsenal side. It, it's ridiculous. It really is. Hopefully um, they so can... They, um, they, must they, be, they must be fantastic. Yeah, hopefully they can get time off from double maths or whatever they do to uh, come and help <laughs> They us. haven't done their GCSEs. Um, out, yes, that's right. And knuckle down, knuckle down. You look at Starboy and what he's doing. It has 15 A-stars or something. That's the level you've got to be at. Anyway, they all know that. Um, let's have a song to end the pod. Adrian, I'm coming to you first. I don't like this song. I've played it and I don't like it. But right. it's... I just don't like it. I wanted a song about Jack Wilshere, um, just in sort of tribute to to what he's done um, this year with this group of players, because it is a great story on its own. It's lovely for these young boys to be part of an FA Youth Cup final, really special. But for him in his first season as a coach to guide the group there is amazing. Um, and there's an old Who song. I don't know if you know it. It's called Happy Jack. Um, and uh, it's an I old song that... by the Who. Of course, I know it. The Who are they were like a rock band in the sixties, right? They're four old blokes. It's a weird song. I've got to, I've got to be honest, but yeah. I like the title. It's Happy Jack, and he, he has every right to have a big old grin on his face. I'm I'm so pleased for him because there were skeptics. I was maybe a skeptic. It's like Jack. Has he got this job on name only? Is he is he, is he into coaching? Does he really really want it? These were things that came into my head because there were, you know, someone like Adam Birchall has been grafting through the years to get into that position where they could be the number one in the under 18s. You know, there were a lot, I think Jack would admit it, they're probably, there are probably lots of coaches at Hale End that are maybe better coaches than him, yeah. yet he got the chance. So, what I love about it is that he hasn't sat on that and thought, and thought, oh, well, I'm here now. He's learnt and made himself better throughout this season and 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 helped to, to turn this team into a team of, you know, potential FA Youth Cup winners. It's, it's brilliant. Happy yeah. Jack. Just on, on that, um, so we obviously spoke to Jack after the game and when I asked him about Lewis Skelly and I guess just his development this season, he was very quick to point out coaches at Hayland and then he also mentioned Adam Birchall as well who said, has basically been with him year in, year out. Um, so yeah, I think it's really good that not just obviously he gets the love of Arsenal, but he's also very quick to show appreciation to the work that's been done before he came back as a coach as well. So it's quite a nice marriage, I guess, at, at the minute. Yeah. Uh, what song you got for us, Art? I really was stuck just because nothing's really no. happening um no. so i'm going along a kind of ryan goslin barbie theme um <laughs> <laughs> why not? just because um and for all those who uh are into the ryan goslin meme culture i'm going for night call by kavinsky um i'm sure a few of those will know that uh once they hear it so yeah 
just because Ryan Gosling is in Barbie and we're going to get a new Ryan Gosling personality dropping soon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like Ryan Gosling, by the way. I think he's funny. Um, I, I've gone, I mean, I might have had, I mean, I was thinking about the last minute goal, uh, the last minute winner for the youth team. I might have had the sweetest feeling, Jackie Wilson. I might have done that one before. And it is the sweetest feeling going for a last minute goal, uh, scoring a last minute winner. It really is. Nothing, nothing beats it in football. Um, I also, uh, anyway, I might have had that. So I thought I'll have Rizzle Kicks, who are Gooners, always late. I was actually five hours late, though. I'll miss my friend's engagement, because oh. I'm always late. That's right. Miss my girlfriend's ultrasound, because I'm always late. Wait, man. Had a job interview, but I woke up in a state. Yeah, my bad. But ask me if I do it again, and I would say, yeah. OK, I'm always late. Because we do like a late goal. That's it for this handbrake off. Uh, we'll be recording another one on Sunday night, uh, a few hours after the Liverpool game. So watch out for that one. Uh, but anyway, uh, thanks to Adrian, thanks to Art, thanks to Abby, our producer, and thank you for listening. Uh, I'm Ian Stone, and this has been Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Have a nice day. Mm-hmm.